welcome to the Relationship Recovery Podcast, hosted by Jessica Knight, a certified life coach who specializes in narcissistic and emotional abuse. This podcast is intended to help you identify manipulative and abusive behavior, set boundaries with yourself and others, and heal the relationship with yourself so you can learn to love in a healthy way. Hello, and thank you for being here. Before we dive in today, I just want to give a reminder that my Boundaries Deep Dive, which is $19, is on my website. I always see it as one of the first steps to overcoming abuse because it allows you to create space and separate from the abuser or the narcissist. You can find it at emotionalabusecoach.com under courses. You could always email me jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com for the resource. And now today, I have a really special guest. Manjit Ruprai returns to talk about the correlation between codependency and narcissistic abuse. Manjit's specialty is really in codependency, understanding codependency and narcissistic abuse, and she has such a wealth of information on this topic. I hope that you really enjoy this episode and stay tuned because she is launching a, co- a course, hopefully this summer or fall, on codependency and narcissistic abuse. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Hi, thank you for having me, Jessica. I know you've been here before, but can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how people typically find you? Yeah, I'm a narcissistic abuse recovery therapist. And I work with clients um, from around the world. And I, I typically, I work with um, victims of narcissistic abuse. They could be co-parenting with a narcissist. They could be trying to get out, going through a divorce. They could even be dealing with a narcissistic parent, their own child. But I offer counseling for dealing with these um, situations. And people, they can find me on Instagram, um, TikTok, Facebook. I'm on YouTube. They just have to put in a budget reply and they'll find me. So last time you were here, we talked about narcissism in general. We did a more of an overview. And one of the things that we touched on briefly was about codependency and narcissism. And that's what I wanted to explore with you today is how we can understand the intersection between codependency and narcissism. And I thought we could start by just defining what a codependent is and what a narcissist is. Let's go with narcissist first. And I know this description is like so big, but can you give us just the small description of what a narcissist is? Because if people are listening to this podcast, I have a I have an idea that they have the general view, but just in case somebody stumbles on this and this is the first episode they've ever listened to, what is a narcissist? So a narcissist is someone that has no empathy. That's a really, really big thing. They have an inflated sense of self, jealousy, a deep need for excessive admiration, attention. And a really big thing is their lack of empathy. So narcissists are unable to put themselves in another person's shoes. So they can't feel your pain, your emotions. It's a kind of like quite a black and white way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So people generally, there is the textbook narcissist who's the very grandiose. All of their traits are very defined. 
But really, you have got other narcissists that are very covert. So covert narcissists, they have all the general narcissistic traits, but they get their attention in other ways. And that is often by playing the victim. Mm-hmm. And so that they can be sick as well. So go ahead, Jessica. No, I was just going to say, so that's actually like probably exactly what connects them over to the codependent is that victim mindset that they can be in. Can you touch on what a codependent is? Of course. So codependent, I'm actually a codependent as well. Mm -hmm. So really codependency, looking at where that starts, does start from something that you've gone through in your childhood. So it could be you might have had a narcissistic parent yourself. It could be you know, some kind of trauma, neglect, abandonment that child has gone through. Maybe the needs were not met. But codependencies does start in childhood. And really, it's when you've not learned or developed boundaries. You do have caretaking habits, people-pleasing, seeking approval from people. You can't say no. Might have very dependent relationships where you rely on that person to make you happy, have poor confidence, low self esteem. You always put your needs last. Really, codependents, they attract people with problems that because they have a high level of empathy and they mm-hmm. do feel over responsibility for other people. Mm-hmm. Really, if you look at that, I mean, it it does develop in childhood. And really, narcissists, codependents and narcissists, they go well together because codependents, they will give, 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 give. And narcissists will take, take and take. Mm. And just sort of like thinking about how a codependent would act in the relationship. What's coming up for me as I sit with it is that there's this, there's this feeling of like, this person doesn't know how to really set the boundaries for themselves. They haven't learned that they, you know, their well-being is probably based on the people in their life and how they're doing, especially a romantic relationship. And then the narcissist, that sounds like a breeding ground of narcissistic abuse. Absolutely. Really would be, Jessica. I mean, for the codependent, their behavior, they can be, it sounds like they can be quite needy themselves. But not, yeah. not in a toxic way. They just, uh, because they've not had, probably not had a lot of love in their own life, but they seek validation from other people. And we know that narcissists are so good at making you feel so good at the beginning of a, of a relationship through love bombing and excessive attention, really, really making you go on a high that you've never experience and it's an intense need for communication so a codependent whose needs have probably not been met yeah is going to for that really head over heels but it never kind of works out because the narcissist will keep on taking and taking and really a lot of codependents they do blame themselves for their relationships failing that suffer from a lot of guilt as well. How would somebody identify that they're a codependent? 
So I think often that most people, to be honest, they don't know that they're codependents. And I'm 44 and I don't think I realized until I came across narcissism and then codependency came up. And I look at all the traits and I am that codependent and my relationships were very codependent as well. But I've had to work a lot on boundaries to kind of um, hold that back, the codependency. But most really, they probably won't um, discover that until much later on in life. And it probably will be when they come across a narcissist like me and then stumble on codependency and then put that together. But, you know, a lot of it, it is from, you know, if you look at that, the a narcissist and a codependent, they have two things in common. Both will come from a toxic environment themselves, but they just manifest their trauma in a different way. Because mm-hmm. if you look at that, that narcissist, they have poor boundaries because they do not know how to treat someone in a relationship. They have people pleasing because they can't say, no, they form relationship on on relationship and they can't let kind of they have this string of supply everywhere they also seek approval as well from their you know what you give them make them feel important and they're quite dependent relationships as well and really with narcissists they have low confidence low self-esteem but all of that although they have that in common they just manifest their trauma in a different way. So one, with a narcissist, it turns into this horrible level of toxicity, this misery that they suffer, this shame. But they project that onto other people in a very volatile way. But for a codependent, they've got their trauma uh, in a different way. That's um, kind of destroying themselves in a way by not, having the right boundaries. I hope that makes sense, Jessica. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I know that it's like they sort of go hand in hand and it it almost seems like a match made. You know, the codependent wants to feel like they could help and rescue and do all the things to get this person to love them and to like be okay. Like their wellness is based on the other person is. And then the narcissist is like, this is perfect. This person cares so much about my well-being. The narcissist cares about themselves. And now the codependent just cares about the narcissist. So it's like all the eyes are on the person that the narcissist wants them to be on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I see a lot of theories online about how a narcissist would almost like seek out a codependent. But I don't know if I think that the narcissist is like that conscious to be like seeking out specific kinds of people. I think they obviously want to make sure like they want someone that they could eventually control. But do you think that they seek out codependence? I think that that's um, something that I touched upon really. And, you know, with the other clients and it's a very good question, Hmm. but you've got to look at that. I don't think it, it wouldn't necessarily say on somebody that like, I'm a codependent, I'm a narcissist magnet, you need to pick me. So I think in theory, yes, that that is true though. But I think with a narcissist, they are 
best way I can explain that is kind of chance takers, Jessica. Yeah. They will probably try many different relationships, but really they're going to go for the one where they get the most from. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that they're thinking, right, okay, I have to find a codependent. I've got this, 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 this criteria. I think eventually, no matter who it is, because you've got, you know, people that are, have never been in relationships that are narcissistic and they fall for someone, they're, they're probably actually not codependent either. Mm-hmm. But they do seek people where they will get the most from. Yeah. So with that, they, over time, they will test the boundaries, they'll test what they can get away with. I think really with that, narcissists, they intentionally are seeking out to destroy someone. So really that when they beat you, they have a relationship, they're on that same high that they're Mm -hmm. sending you on. So they're thinking, right, okay, I'm going to find happiness, I'm going to find peace, I'm going to make this relationship work. But really what, what happens is that the narcissist mask eventually slips because mm-hmm. they only keep up with that pretense for so long that they are this kind, caring human, the love bombing. They're just not able to sustain that on a long-term basis. So that's where things go wrong. Yeah. So I don't think that they're intentionally, you know, have that theory that are thinking, right, I need to find a codependent, I need to destroy that person. I think mm-hmm. they're also seeking that happiness too, but they just can't sustain and keep the narcissism because that always comes out. Yeah. So in a way, it's like, so, and that's actually something that Lee Hammock just said to me once before too, is that the narcissist, mm-hmm. they actually, in that love bombing phase, they're also like, oh, this is it. I got this. Look how great, you know, let me show this person how great I exactly. can be. Like, like they're not like, exactly. oh, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, oh, I found this person. I'm going to control them. But there's but in this like in the capacity, I think that we're talking about is that a lot of times the narcissist, they think they've won. They, they, they're sold on it, too, until it starts to really of course. You know, unravel. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. There probably are you know, percentage of narcissists, really, that they'll be the bore darker ones with the sort of darker traits that their pure intention would be I need to control yeah but it's been a while since I've read a lot of the literature on codependency but I for a long time and especially in my early 20s I realized that I had a lot of codependent qualities and I really wanted to work to break them and one of them that came up for me was control I realized that I wasn't like overtly controlling, but I was more like covertly controlling. Like I wanted to know where the person was. I needed to get a text from them in order for my nervous system to calm down. I would find ways to make plans with them, even if they said they weren't available. And this was all when I was really young, but I was very aware of what Mm -hmm. I was doing. And also Mm -hmm. that when my, I mean, but I was also reading a lot of books on it, but I was aware that my nervous system calmed down when I got that touch or like not, you know, whether it was like a text message, a phone call, like time with them. And now I'm not like that at all. But in the past, Mm -hmm. I remember feeling how clingy I was. And 
I feel like that same type of behavior can also be very, you know, the narcissist engages in a lot of the same types of things as well. And I was thinking about this before we got on about the threat of control that can exist in both the codependent and the narcissist. Absolutely. And so can you touch a little bit like how that would show up in the relationship? Like we have a codependent, we have a narcissist and they're playing this game. It's almost like, feels like almost like dodgeball of control in some way. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's uh, very true, really. I mean, I, I think I've exhibited some of those behaviors too a long, long while ago. But I think together if that is, it would be incredibly chaotic because I think yeah. really the, for a codependent who's quite newbie and quite clingy, needs reassurance, constant, you know, kind of the reassurance that I'm there for you, I'm not doing anything. For, for a narcissist, that they can be quite shady at times, can't they? And give you, and really there's the ghosting that starts, there's the projection that starts, there's the big thing is ghosting actually. So how would that make a codependent view that make them more clingy? Yeah. And more have a need for attention, they'll feel a lot more insecure. And that would lead to a lot more arguments, I believe, that I think it'd just be a very, very chaotic relationship. But I think I think a big thing that identified and realized that, you know, if your relationship, I mean, a codependent will not have learned boundaries early on in childhood. So, you know, that it is like, for me, a 37-year-old I was at that time, having to work on boundaries that I've never had. That's decades. Yeah. So, you know, really, I think it is okay to recognize that if somebody makes you feel uncomfortable and it is an infringement on your boundary, they're not, that, is, that isn't the right person for you. So it's fine to recognize that, okay, that person is causing me discomfort that's not working for me so a codependent they can break that cycle with having the boundaries learning um about their own self-care but yeah together it would be an incredibly chaotic relationship yeah yeah and a lot of arguments and a lot of insecurity because really a narcissist they are going to you know, the intentional, not intentional, they are going to cause that insecurity regardless. So that will make you feel a lot more insecure, more needy, and just will be a very, very bad, bad combination. Yeah. I can, you know, as we're talking about it, I can almost imagine like a disagreement between a codependent and a narcissist where all the blame is being put on the codependent, the codependent likely takes a lot of it, fights back on a little bit, but setting the boundaries are probably very difficult mm-hmm. because the narcissist is just going to project that blame forward and the codependent is going to take it because they probably feel like they need to in order to mm-hmm. save the relationship, which is most likely their supply in some way. Yeah. And so 
when we think about trying to break free from these patterns, and maybe we could just focus on the codependent first. You know, if someone is realizing, all right, I definitely have a lot of these behaviors. I know for me, the first thing I did was I picked up a few books on codependency, and a lot of them are based on like the alcoholic and being codependent, at least when I was reading mm-hmm. them, which was probably about 10 years ago, if not more sure. than that. And so if somebody wanted to begin to unpack what that looked like and understand why they do what they do, is there a resource that you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I mean to be honest, I, I'm actually working on a, a breaking codependency program. Mm. And that, that should be available online sometime this year. It's just kind of um, taking me a lot longer than I anticipated. And yeah. that's probably my own perfectionism as well. But I mean, in that, there will be a lot of things that codependents can work on, mm. what codependency is, the pattern of codependency, narcissistic and codependent relationships really there's a lot of well but there will be a lot of exercises in that program and which will help you to identify your codependent self work on boundaries develop hobbies um really it is about working on you and putting yourself first and yeah, working through like the guilt because it sounds yeah. like a lot, like a lot of it is about bringing it inward you know, instead of looking outward, you know, at everything, mm. it's looking inward first, which might be very yeah. scary. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be. I mean, really looking at your own demons yourself, that's not easy either, because yeah. um, that can be incredibly hard. And some people are just not ready, but you will be in your own time. But I think it's going to be a wonderful program. I mean, you know, that I hope that is available sometime this year, but, you know, kind of in the meantime, that there's loads of different books on codependency that, you know, if you go, go on, um, look at your bookstore, Amazon, there, there'll be loads of books. But I do think that putting um, practical help in place is also important. So there'll be a lot of different exercises in there, different um, worksheets that, people can do as well. So yeah, I'm really excited to launch that at some point this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great program to begin to start to unravel all the threads of codependency. Mm -hmm. Let's touch on how a codependent, like say somebody, you know, they recognize that they're a codependent, that they start to be able to set some boundaries within themselves of, you know, maybe some you know, disagreements they're going to walk away from or things they're no longer going to do for the other person. And they eventually feel like they've been run ragged. You know, the the supply is dry now and they want to leave. I imagine this is extremely difficult. I mean, it's difficult to leave any narcissistic relationship, but I imagine that the pain that the codependent goes through is amplified because they're still healing and they're all and learning new boundaries, but also they're getting abused by the narcissist. And a narcissistic breakup is always so painful. I guess before we like dive into what the how the codependent can heal from it, can you just touch on how a narcissist breaks up with somebody and what that typically looks like? 
Sure, no success really. They will. There's different types of breakups really because they will slowly start to pull away. They'll start ghosting you more. Start um, neglecting your needs a lot more. Some narcissists are just gone and they're done with you. Mm. With it, really, it, it does involve generally with any narcissistic breakup. Actually, that there is no explanation. They're just gone, and really, they blame you for all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's no accountability on their part. There's this. Um, uh, circular conversation that takes place but it's always someone else's fault it never is the person's fault yeah the narcissist's fault so so for a codependent they're left feeling that they've done something wrong because for years or, or months years however long decades a narcissist has really they've projected everything onto you so you're left with that to deal with first of all but then on top of that when they break up with you there's the blame that you're you might not be good enough and not attractive enough you don't bring enough to me there's all, all these things so that can make things even worse yeah and so once the breakup is happening and I know for me I remember feeling like this was a gift as painful as it was, it was still a gift that I was going to be able to leave this relationship. How can they continue to bring the focus back to them and realize that this this could be almost like the greatest catalyst to their healing? Yeah. I think on the onset of a breakup, if I'm honest, that it can take, uh, but depending on how long you've been with the narcissist for, can take a couple of years, 18 to 24 months. That sounds like a hell of a a lot of time and and a huge chunk. And a lot of my clients, they do say, oh, my God, that is insane. I can't wait that long. But they do get it. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think a big part is understanding what the narcissist has done to you, Mm. how they operate, working on boundaries and your self-care there. Four key things that I always suggest to clients, but a really big part is the validation part because, you know, kind of going round and round in their own head. Yeah. And feeling insane, that is not a nice feeling, but therapy and counseling, that really gives you the validation with the right person you work with. Yeah. So, you know, often they, people, they do have the need, they've got to be play it over and over but eventually it will sink in that they've been a victim of narcissistic abuse and what they've gone through was was insidious yeah I, I love that you touched on counseling or therapy or even coaching like just getting coaching yourself, yeah, yeah getting yourself into something where you can have that outer validation that somebody can be able to see maybe what you're not seeing and help you get mm-hmm. to like help you work through that like cognitive dissonance that you're likely going to be in and get to the place that you really feel or you can feel like you're in touch with yourself again. Absolutely. And I always say that it's so important to work with the right therapist, coach, counselor, because there's a lot that I get that have been invalidated by other therapists 
it's not their fault. It just means that they're probably not familiar with narcissism. They're probably lucky they've never had to go through with. But it's so important to work with the right person because if you don't, you will feel further insane and more to blame. You know, and I think that's so important because I reflect back sometimes to the therapist that when I was married and like she for a lot of reasons were what they she was amazing. But there are a lot of things I can look back at now that she did not point out. And I don't think she had the lens of, you know, other patterns to be able Mm -hmm. to see what was going on. And I had Mm -hmm. a, uh, a therapist in my last relationship. And she, you know, a lot of times would point back to Oh, well, like, you know, kind of putting healthy dynamics, relational dynamics on a disordered situation. And I remember feeling like crazy, like you said, of this person doesn't understand that, like, what's happening is entirely unhealthy. You know, it's like not a, but I was starting to understand at least. So working with somebody that Mm -hmm. understands codependency and probably even has a story of their own codependency is oh of course yeah it's so important i mean i had somebody that said to me that oh things couldn't have been that bad Mm. and um, that kind of uh, it can make you shut down further yeah so that is um not a nice feeling i mean i think i think even with therapy though i always say that you've got to be prepared to hear the things that are your reality and that could scare you I had this lovely lady once. Um, she only had one session, but she kind of emailed and she said that she said I have to cancel the appointment um, on next one. She said that you are absolutely wonderful. She said and you have given me the best information there is out there. But she said I can't. I can't face this right now. Yeah, yeah. So I do respect that, but you have to be. I'm ready for, for facing the reality as well. And that, that's not easy either. Yeah. I actually had somebody this week say the same thing to me. They said, I absolutely loved the first two sessions, yes. but I've realized that there's a lot more underneath of what everything that's going on. And I can't, can't do it. I can't do it yet. And then they said, can I reach out? And when I'm ready, I said, absolutely. But just remember that we can go at a different pace. You know, this doesn't have to be every week where we dive in and unpack and there's like accountability it could just be let's start to get right with the reality of what's here and we'll go from there absolutely yeah so i think i'm sure that person will reach back out yeah um, again yes yeah so if you had to tell the healing codependent like one thing that really helped you in your journey when you were healing through your own codependence what is that one piece of advice you would give so I would say that a really big thing is okay to say no. Yeah. And not feel guilty about that. That was a really, really big thing. And you don't have to say it in a, because they say it very politely that like, I can't help you with that right now. But it's okay to say no without feeling the guilt. And the guilt might, you know, kind of be there. Sometimes I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I can feel that. But I sit with that and explore that feeling and tell myself that it's okay to put myself first. Yeah, so that was being a, that able was to a feel huge the feelings. Thing. 
regardless. So the feelings are going to come in and they're going to be really strong, but not acting on them. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is absolutely okay to say no, sit with the guilt and feel that. And really another really big thing for me was that if somebody gives you that gut feeling that maybe they're not right for you, Mm-hmm. It's okay to act on that. Is this a reason why you're feeling uncomfortable? Yeah. Because most codependents, they ignore their feelings. They will gaslight themselves by telling themselves, I'm just making it up. It's just in my head. It's not, it's not real. So it's okay to sit in that moment and really explore whether these people are actually right for you or not. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, I know we touched on how people can find you in the beginning, but let's just go tell people once again how they can connect with you. So touch on your social media platforms and I will definitely put them in the show notes, but this was really great and I know people are going to want to reach out to you. So how can we find you? Oh, thank you so much. So people, they can find me on Instagram, mm. TikTok, I'm on Facebook and YouTube. If you just put Magic Rupai, I will come up mm-hmm. and you can also drop me an email via my website or just email me on Instagram. It'll take you to the contact form uh, via Instagram as well. But my website is www.narcissisticabusetraumaclinic.com and awesome. anyone can drop me an email anytime. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you breaking this down with me today. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. It's been absolutely wonderful. Really enjoyed that. 